Start date 94763.44. Welcome to Star Trek Discovery Pod Live. My name is Mike Garcia. With me on the view screen is Mariah Gossett, Lieutenant Commander Jordy LaForge. I mean, Clyde Haynes. <laughs> uh, I guess it's my turn. Grant Davis. <laughs> This week, we're streaming to Pod Live on YouTube and in celebration of CBS's Star Trek United campaign to show its support for Black Lives Matter, we're covering the classic TNG episode, The Enemy, and discussing its exploration of tolerance, empathy, and LeVar Burton's delightful everyman charm. He's just delightful, that man. I love him. Yeah, I agree there. That's great. Uh, I never lie when I got sand in my boots. (laughs) And before we start talking about why we're uh, covering a 30-year-old episode of The Next Generation, uh, I just wanted to remind everyone to make sure you have subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't done so already, we are available on Apple, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Just visit StarTrekPod.co if you need to locate any one of those services. That is our website. You can find all of that information there. Uh, you don't want to miss an episode. You can also check out our back catalog. We have covered every episode of Discovery and the first season of Picard. Again, that is StarTrekPod.co. If this is your first time checking us out, we are available for you to financially support us. If, if you're so inclined, we're available to that. We're open to it. Uh, you can love help us it. out over <laughs> At patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. But uh, maybe maybe you want to test it out. Get, give us an episode or two. Feel out if you're liking how we, we gel with each other. If we're making some weird married siblings kind of jokes at the start of an episode. I get it. I get it. You're out. But otherwise, if you are in, patreon.com slash Star Trek pod is a way you can support this little podcast venture of ours. And we do appreciate it. Uh, you can give... Anywhere from a dollar an episode to two, three, five, however, I mean, a hundred dollars an episode, we're not going to say no, but generally our, our, uh, our asking bid is uh, $2 an episode. Give us that. And, uh, in exchange, we open up the doors for you to join us over on our Slack channel. And in addition, we try to do a lot of, uh, other cool things for our patrons, including, you know, uh, integrating them into the conversation of what we're going to be discussing. We do exclusive episodes for just the patrons, including uh, the Badass Ladies of Trek series that Mariah and Mike are currently working on. We've gone through some of the back catalog of the original series movies, and uh, these guys made me watch those. So uh, if you want to hear our thoughts on that, um, that's also available. We appreciate all of your support, and uh, I'll probably I'll probably pimp this again at the end of the episode. Uh, Patreon.com slash Star Trek pod. Do it. Yes. And if you are watching us live, which is incredibly fun, love our live viewers, uh, remember to tag at Star Trek pod or type capital P, capital O, capital D, capital pod in front of your comments so we can mention them on the show uh, toward the later end of the episode. Um, And feel free to ask us questions. Okay. It's time to take a trip back to 1989 to cover TNG's The Enemy. An episode that stuck with me ever since I watched it as a kid and that I really enjoyed watching again for this pod. Of course, we're covering this episode uh, to celebrate the Star Trek United campaign. 
That's right. Um, this episode of TNG was made available for free online by CBS this month as a part of the Trek United campaign. Um, there is a series of Star Trek episodes that they have deemed culturally impactful, including the Deep Space Nine Far Beyond the Stars, which we have already covered on this podcast. And you can go back and listen to that episode in our archives. Uh, there's a bunch of the original series, some Voyager episodes, Enterprise, and uh, they also have a couple of episodes of Discovery and Picard. So if you are looking to get beyond the CBS paywall for once, you can do it because these are important episodes that people should be checking out and media and representation is super important and it's a way we change hearts and minds. So check that out if you haven't done so already. Yeah, and I think as part of this whole Star Trek United campaign, um, the fact that CBS is raising funds for Black Lives Matter, I think it's a good thing. And, you know, so kudos to them. Um, but I also want you to, to know that we're raising funds for organizations supporting Black Lives Matter, um, including the Austin Justin Co Coalition, um, kind of here in our hometown of Austin, Texas. Um, we're also supporting 401 um, and the Black Lives Matter Global Network. So we're donating all of our Patreon funds this month. Um, so if you want to be a part of that, if you want to contribute your own donation to our pool, you can do so at donate.startrekpod.co. That is donate.startrekpod.co. And uh, if, if you guys are familiar with my knowledge of Trek, you will know that I don't know really too much about Trek before Star Trek Discovery. And so these guys have somehow tricked me into watching some more old Star Trek, even though I, I uh, throw a little tantrum each time. But it's for a good cause. Um, I hope everyone will help us raise those funds to help support Black Lives Matter. And uh, as we discuss this episode, um, we're going to be touching on, you know, how it's culturally impactful. Um, we, we've been looking at how these uh, address politics, both of, of Star Trek and how it kind of um, ties into what's happening now. And uh, I, I get to read the synopsis. Okay, I'm reading this right here. It says, I get to read the synopsis for this episode. <laughs> um, this is Star Trek The Next Generation, which uh, The Enemy is the name of the episode from Season 3, Episode 7. Here's a little synopsis. After Jordy is stranded on a storm-ravaged planet, the crew's attempt to rescue him are hindered by an aggressive Romulan warship. This episode is noted by critics as one of the top Trek episodes dealing with tolerance, in this case highlighting the tensions between the Romulans and the Federation. All right, Mike, uh, I think we have a trailer you're going to try and play. Right, we'll see how this goes. Okay. Next time on Star Trek The Next Generation, Geordi is missing in action on a deadly planet. Uh-oh. Mr. Wolf, launch the probe. A violent storm blocks the crew's desperate search to find him. Will he survive? I can't see! And his fate lies with the enemy. You are my prisoner! On Star Trek, the next generation. The Enemy premiered November 6, 1989. Written by David Kemper and Michael Piller. Directed by David Carson, who also directed the first TNG movie, Star Trek Generations. Um, I guess we're mostly going to frame this conversation about the episode's depiction of tolerance and the limits of tolerance or how deep-seated biases can lead to extremely destructive and ugly consequences, if not overcome. So let's dive in like we always do. 
with some hot freaks. Hot freaks. Hey, yo. Who wants to freak? First? It's becoming more and more like a country uh <laughs> kind of thing. Are you it ready for some little, football? It's getting a little hillbilly there, Grant. <laughs> um, I guess I can go first. You know, this is my first uh foray into a TNG episode proper. I, you know, I think I've seen enough little clips here and there to kind of have an impression of what the next generation was. But I don't know. I I was kind of uh, taken aback by uh, particular things in this episode, which I guess we'll probably dive into in a bit. Um, but I, I definitely had these kind of preconceptions about some of the characters, especially based off of how memes and little like clips circulate around Twitter and Facebook of these characters. So I was a little bit surprised on how they actually do interact with each other. And uh, overall, Wesley was not as annoying as I thought he would be. Because <laughs> um, he only had three lines. Because he only had three lines. <laughs> um, I, I thought this was a pretty tight episode. I definitely was feeling some of the um, constraints of how it, this is scripted for television, and the the rushed intro and just kind of dropped in. Here's the conceit, so that we can kind of get to the storytelling. Um, here's how we have to build up because we need to have a commercial break. Like some of those things like felt a little bit forced. Friend. Say what? 1989. Yeah. 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 So, uh, those things in a way kind of took me out of it, but, but the story itself I thought was, uh, really well done. I thought it was really interesting kind of, um, the, the two different perspectives of, um, how one approaches their enemy, uh, between Worf and Jordy in particular, but also I, I guess, um, Picard as as a third kind of brokering element and it it makes it a very fascinating ethical dilemma that I'm sure we're going to be parsing out throughout this episode and yeah this is a really well done episode and I I appreciate that this is my first episode I saw of this show yeah, I can uh, I can jump on in after Grant because I also you know I've watched a fair amount of Next Generation, so I'm fairly familiar with all of the characters and stuff. But it had been a long time, and uh, I'm not sure if I if I had seen this episode before or not. I'm not sure how popular it was on the reruns, but um, I will say it was it moves the plot moves so much slower than I'm than I think I'm now used to on things like Discovery and Picard. Do you know what I mean? Like it's so action packed versus this episode. While we have like a very interesting A plot and B plot going on, there is more time and space, I think, to consider what's happening, which I thought was um, a nice change of pace. Uh, and I really enjoyed the way that they were so thoughtful in considering these different perspectives. You know, I really liked... Worf kind of having this big internal struggle going on about what he should do. And, you know, he's obviously such a character that relies heavily on um, being, you know, a, a person of honor who will follow the captain's orders. And, you know, I, you see that play out on screen, but also has very deep personal beliefs. Um, and so I thought that made for really interesting dynamics on screen. And then, I really enjoyed all everything that happened on the planet um, and seeing how these two characters who are stuck together, learn to have to work together. Um, and there's almost like a, 
um, you know, they're almost protecting each other by the end of the episode. So I, I really enjoyed it. I think they did a really good job. I thought it was well played out. Um, and the writing was great. Yeah. I, I, I like this episode. I thought it was a, it was an interesting, almost bottle episode, right? So it doesn't really move the, the overall plot of the season along, which is typical for, you know, 1989 and having 24 plus episodes. Um, but I think what was, there are a couple of things that I didn't remember. And I have probably seen every episode of TNG. I'm going to be conservative and say at least twice. So I don't seem like an extra nerd. Um, but I don't remember Riker being that angry. Like that seemed out of character for him. Now he can run hot, but he seemed hot like from jump, like from the very beginning. He was a hot freak. He was a hot freaking <laughs> mess is what he was. <laughs> so I just, that was a little, uh, that was a little unusual, but I went with it. Um, I think one of my favorite pieces was the wharf piece, right? And I and to me, when I when I thought back, I had to I had to go back and was like, wow, it's almost like watching it anew because I'm watching it from a different lens. Because I w- I found myself really curious about whether or not he was going to give the blood transfusion to the Romulan. That was a, this. I'm trying to really look at this, and more so, I was really fascinated by whether or not. Picard was going to force him and what repercussions might be because of that. And today, you know, 30 years later, I'm looking at this and going, wow, what was being said about this individual's right to choose kind of their response and not having to fit into this other culture and this other value, even when life was on the line? And as as I look, it's not like we go into the next episode and they're holding a grudge against Worf because he didn't do it, right? Um, and that was really fascinating to me. Um, and so when I think about this this episode, there's a lot of nice stuff with with Jordy. There's a lot of nice stuff, some some strong acting, um, but that was what stood out to me on the rewatch. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think this is a really solid, kind of restrained episode of TNG. Like it makes some really excellent points about the reach of prejudice and racial animosity. Like that shit reaches way into the 24th century and can potentially still start wars and get people Mm -hmm. killed and shit. But it's, this episode's not preachy at all about that. All of those important themes and messages and all the social commentary, they're like nicely baked into the story, you know, into this like nice, competent genre story it's not like just all it's not preachy and the way yeah like the way some of this episode shakes out is really surprising like i did not remember Worf letting that romulan die and i didn't remember geordie being like just so casual and charming when he's under such duress i really enjoyed that and with Riker, like you clyde i didn't remember Riker being so tortured by this terrible situation that everyone is in that he's like visibly like breaking down and angry in every scene to the point where he's like doing shots in his quarters alone. Uh, like there is a lot of fun stuff in this episode, but there's also some really dark stuff too. And while it's not really the strongest or, or the, the most memorable episode of star Trek 
Like there are no there are no like huge flourishes or big speeches or tear jerking acting scenes like we saw in Far Beyond the Stars. Um or even some of the other social messages, you know, type episodes of TNG. This is still a pretty powerful episode. It just it's a lot more restrained in its approach. The pacing, sure, especially the beginning, it's pretty slow. Um but I like that restraint. Um you know, you can have lots of different things in Star Trek. You can have a really bombastic, like preachy episode that that works. Um, you can have an episode that is a little too preachy and goes kind of forgets about the story. But I think this one did a nice job of um, giving us those themes and those important messages that are baked into a really compelling genre story. So I really enjoyed it. Yeah, I uh, I think there is a lot of moments too that can be applied to a lot of different sort of things that have been going on in the world both now and at that time, you know, I don't think it is as much of like a direct metaphor for one particular thing. Like, yes, we are specifically talking about people's prejudices against other folks, but like I think about how um, this could be applied to, um, you know, like right after the Iranian hostage situation and how like like xenophobic people became at that point about like a particular subset of people, even though it's like, you know, and I think they, there's that line in the show too, where they're like, Hey, this isn't the person who killed your parents. You know, this is just a person who happens to be from the same place. And so I thought that was like an interesting lens to look at it. And there's obviously lots of other examples throughout history of, of times where we, especially in the United States have been severely prejudiced against other people, specifically, um, you know, immigrants coming from like Muslim majority countries, which you could think about it in today's present, like thought process. And then the whole blood situation got me thinking a lot about how, like, even to this day, like gay men can still not donate blood like Mm. today. And Mm -hmm. so I just thought that was like an interesting thing. And then Clyde, you kind of touched upon it too, was like uh, the body autonomy was so important to them to obviously make sure that Worf knew anything that happens to him. He has to be the one to make that decision, which I also thought was important. So such a wide spectrum of things we can think about within the context of this episode. (laughs) Yeah. Mariah, you know, it's interesting that you, you talk about kind of the, the element of, you know, it wasn't them that did that to your parents. I was reading in how to be an anti-racist recently. And that was one of the comments that the, the author, um, can Ibram X mentioned was that you can get into, you can get into trouble when you associate one interaction on a whole group of people, right? When you go, well, they, you know, I've had this negative action. Well, that was just because they are, X, whatever that X is, um, and you can easily find yourself into a racist moment. And I thought I thought that was an interesting kind of commentary in this episode when we're looking at Worf and he is upset and he's he's got a very um, understanding kind of point of view when you look and he goes, well, you, you know, with all due respect, I kind of love that with all due respect, you don't understand, right? If you had watched your parents being killed, you would have a different perspective. And and so it, it I felt like it gave weight to the conversation where you could understand this is significant to Worf. And so he's teetering 
on what he should do and where he's going to go. And I think we don't know if it had gone on a little longer, kind of, I still don't know where he would have ended up. Would he have changed his mind? Would he have not have? Yeah. With, go ahead, Grant. Uh, well, I, I just wanted to uh, maybe take a step back and you guys could perhaps explain to me what it, what happened with Worf's backstory? Like, what is it that he's so hostile? Like I, he mentioned his parents were killed by Romulans, but I didn't know if you guys know there's some, like the even bigger story of what's going on there. Like, was this, during an ongoing war between Klingons and Romulans, or I don't know. Uh, there was a Federation war with the Romulans, and I believe the Klingons have had many skirmishes and encounters, if not wars, with the Romulans. And I don't remember exactly what the what happened, but Worf's family was on some planet that the Romulans attacked or invaded, and kind of like Michael Burnham's backstory, where the Klingons showed up and killed her parents kind of a similar thing okay. except it was Romulans and I believe he saw them killed right in front of him right when he was a kid I, I didn't know if there was like this um, sort of more like larger scale issue of the Romulans um, persecuting and mm-hmm. attacking the Klingons to some extent on like a, a wider galactic scale um, because yeah, they, I, you those know, two th- races really do hate each other and yeah, I, I couldn't it, go into exactly what all the like what the genesis of the conflict is, but it's definitely there. The little that I I, I can remember kind of off off the cuff is that um, kind of the the Klingons, you know, as we saw in Discovery, the Klingons and the Federation had a pretty kind of rough relationship. Um but what we saw is that the Romulans began their own kind of war against the Klingon, the Klingons. And as a result, the Klingons and the Federation got closer, right? This whole idea of the enemy of my enemy is my ally. Um, and so as the Klingons and the Federation began to be kind of allies, that made the Romulans and the Klingons hate each other even more. Um, which is interesting because we don't talk about what happens with the enemy of my enemy very often. And so they just all in all out like hate each other. And so the the war is where I believe um, Worf's parents were killed. Right. I I think like the, the larger part of this episode is what happens with Jordy, But the more interesting part is Worf, right? Like with mm-hmm. Worf's arc in this episode, we get to see a lot of really interesting shit like in terms of not just how racial animosity and a lack of tolerance can lead to some terrible consequences and even death like it does in this episode but in how starfleet operates in terms of respecting those cultural differences and those crew member beliefs right yeah like first i want to say that this plot line was just super surprising to me even though i saw it years ago i just could not remember that this is how it ends. I well, thought it was especially really with like letting the Romulan die like that. Yes. That, that's what I, that's exactly mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. That for me, letting I was like, Romulan Whoa, die. okay. That, that makes, that makes it all the more like poignant and like heavy, like what the stakes are and what they're trying to talk about. Like, of, of like intolerance uh, yeah. of intolerance or, you know, whatever kind of, it was so gutsy for a 1989, you know, TV show. And, I was doing some research. Michael Dorn, who plays Worf, was really uncomfortable mm-hmm. with 
where the plot line went and he objected to it. And some of the writers even were like, I don't think we want to do this, but they, they did see it as a gutsy move and they thought that it made sense for the character. And it also, um, it portrayed the idea that not everyone on the ship, even our main cast members are, uh, you know, they all have different values because they're from different worlds and they wanted right. to depict that. And I like that. And I love that that surprise at the end just defied those TV drama standards. Like even after Crusher asks him to help, even after Picard literally begs him to help. And even after he speaks with a dying Romulan, Worf just never has that change of heart you're expecting him to have. And he never wavers uh, that his deeply ingrained hostile feelings about the Romulan race are just they're just fueled by trauma of seeing the Romulans murder his parents. Like those feelings are just too important to him to compromise. Uh, I, you know, he just won't do it. I was going to say, I think what's interesting about all of this is 30 years later, it it's fascinating, but it's not that surprising, right? Because today our our shows are filled with characters who are flawed, right? Who make questionable calls, who, you know, they're written in a way that deliberately they don't make the, the heroic choice per se, right? In 89, if you, if you can think back to 89, this is insane, right? You have a main character who has done something that everything you know, depending on your worldview says is not the right call. Um, and so that's fascinating to me and makes me want to get into the meta of why, why that, what does that say about the Klingon cultures? What does that say about, uh, you know, about so much, but that, I think it's thing. fascinating for 89. That's the thing. Like sometimes when Worf, like he can come off as like more aggressive or more out of step with the other characters on the show that are more, that are human. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and the show will attribute that, like his aggressive nature, or his differences to the fact that he's a Klingon and that's their nature. Right. But here that the show doesn't do that. Like, it's not just because he's a Klingon. And it's I something think that was pretty humanly relatable. Like yeah. the, the death of my parents by mm -hmm. their people based on the type of the ethnicity or the race or the Xeno race. I don't know the ter mm -hmm. correct term is of yeah. who I am. And I can't, I can't take their blood, which flows in me, and put it back into my enemy. Like, right. I, I, like what a what a powerful way to kind of phrase it. So yeah. I don't know. It, it sounds like I, so. I thought he did have a change of heart, and it was too late. Like at the yeah. very end, when he's going, you know, she's like, "Well, he's dead." I don't know what I read it as. He was about to go do it, and he died. Like I it took too so. long. It's possible. But no, I, th I thought Picard said, I haven't been able to to convince him. And Crusher said, it doesn't matter because he's dead. Like, mm. yeah, it was th like this conversation's to, over. Yeah. He's like, I haven't been able to convince him and you need to stop asking him. So it's mm -hmm. over. It's not going to mm -hmm. happen. She's like, it doesn't matter. He's dead. <laughs> OK, I watched yeah. this only having one cup of coffee. So I could have just <laughs> been living in like a, a dream. <laughs> well, Understood. But I, I one think, of the. Sorry, go ahead, Grant. One of the things I thought was kind of um, interesting, uh, interesting is a boring word for it, but uh, 
the the fact that the two lead black characters on this show were the ones put in this sort of position where they have to be the the, the spokespersons for people for how um how you deal with tolerance or or lack thereof with your enemy um I understand, like, from the more technical aspect, like, Worf is the Klingon on the show. And that different perspective, you need that. And then also, Jordy lends something very fascinating in that he is a blind character. He's a character who, uh, I felt like they leaned a little bit on it, but maybe not as heavily as they could have. The, this idea of like his, his blindness to that intolerance. He's like, we, we're just people here trying to figure out a way out of a bad situation together. And he had, he had a, a little bit more immediacy of, of compassion for the situation and working with someone to find that commonality. Um, it, it was just, it's it really well done in, in how they execute the two perspectives. But I, I thought it was fascinating that it was the two lead black characters in this show that also mm-hmm. had to be the, the front for that, that conversation. I am. I'm glad you said that. Cause that's something that, that has been just twirling around in my mind quite a bit. And the fact that kind of the meta thing that I took away from that was one, if you look at them as black characters, what you see is that there's not a, a monolithic or homogenous kind of people group, right? That you can look at at, at Jordy and you can look at Worf and you can see that they both reacted in very different ways, right? Jordy looked and said, hey, we're in this together, right? Where part of me is going, dude, when those rocks fell, you should have took that gun, zapped him and been out. Um, but he was much more inclusive where... Worf said, hey, I am, you know, I'm not going to pretty much assimilate into this this human federation culture. This is who we are. This is who I am. And I'm going to stand by that. I'm not going to I'm not going to budge. So right or wrong, I just thought it was a fascinating dynamic that you would you would kind of put them in this place where you say, hey, like to, you know, put not too fine a point on it not all black people are the same and we're gonna we're gonna show that so that was something that i was kind of looking at and going i i'm seeing that but i don't want to get too far in because Worf is also a klingon and as we look at this we're seeing you know two enemies and almost a third party in involved in this conflict yeah but it is ap- applicable because starfleet and the federation is a spectrum of people mm-hmm. like a lot of times you, you see them as this one monolith, but they're really a spectrum of people. Just like, you know, Hispanics are a spectrum, black people are a spectrum, we're all different. Um, I want to bring up a quick comment from Mar- Marge in the chat. She says, um, sorry, I just can't sympathize with Worf in this episode. And what she said in this comment and what you said, Clyde, uh, reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you guys. Is this episode partly an indictment of Worf's prejudice since his inaction put the ship and potentially like the whole galaxy in danger since the death of this Romulan soldier could potentially kickstart a war? And before you answer, consider that Geordi and the Romulan on the planet, Bakra, their story 
of tolerance and eventual camaraderie is presented as a complete opposite of Worf's story. And Jordi and Bakra teaming up and working together is what saves the day. So is this episode trying to tell us that Worf was wrong? I certainly didn't take it that way. I think that it's, I mean, my personal interpretation was that it's a very complex and very morally and ethically difficult choice that was presented to Worf. Like it's, we often talk about the, the lack of therapists on discovery (laughs) and how you have to unpack a lot of pain and baggage that that particular characters carry with them. And there's clearly a lot of stuff that Worf has not been able to come to terms with and feel comfortable with. And suddenly he's the one kind of put upon to be like, Hey, we need your blood. Give us your blood. And, and blood one's blood is as personal as it gets. Right. And like, like just putting someone on the spot and then like condemning them for not stepping up to what is kind of, I don't know. It feels a little bit like outrageous, especially since you don't even know you tried every other thing with this person and you don't even know if that blood was going to magically save them either. Mm. You don't know, but, but you still now can just have Worf be the person you blame for this person's death. That, that seems completely unfair. It seems untrue to uh Trek, which should have a little bit more sympathy for everyone in kind of these situations. I don't know. I, Mariah, were you going to say something? You can go ahead. <laughs> um, you know, I thought about that too, Mike. And if I'm absolutely honest, I think that is what they were trying to say. I think when I think about, again, we're going back in time to 89, right? And, and, and I'm thinking about this in the context of not just kind of war, you know, I don't want to think about it in, 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 in the context of what's happening now and thinking about kind of, you know, injustice and, and relationships between, you know, um, black and particularly white police officers at the moment. I, I don't want to look at it that way. I want to just think about what they were kind of sort of saying in the ethos of Star Trek. And I can see that this is a situation where they're going, you know, the greater good, right? Like Picard makes this whole greater good speech and he's going, can you not put aside your individual beliefs for the greater good, right? And it is, they did a wonderful TV kind of move of being able to save everybody inside a, a an hour show. Right. <laughs> but But the truth of the matter is, Jordy fell in a hole, and for all we knew, there was only one Romulan. And if he had been down there long enough, and there wasn't another Romulan, his visor wouldn't have worked, and we would have ne- he would have never gotten out. Right? All those things could happen. In that situation, the Romulans show up, and all they know is their person has died in the custody of the Federation. Right. And they've been tinkering on the brink of war forever anyway. That could have been an absolute mess. Right. And so I do, if you're asking me, do I think the writers are looking at this and saying, hey, 
you know, we've saved it, but what if can't you put your individual beliefs aside for the greater good? Yeah, I can believe that that was that was a message that was that was being kind of very subtly mentioned in the show. Can I counterpoint? Sure. This is what we do, Grant. Come on. Counterpoint. <laughs> Picard's the one who fucked up and should have made made warp. If 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 it was truly like that sort of decision that was like like war starting or whatever, like they tried to convince us, even though I wasn't necessarily buying it. I don't know. The threats and stakes didn't really, it felt so mundane for them to be like, we're going to war over this. Like whatever. But if that was legitimately the deal, then captain Picard, um, he, he passed the buck to Worf and he shouldn't have done that. And that's, if you're going to wear the captain's hat, you got to make the fucking captain's decisions and you don't say Worf, I'm going to respect your decision on this, even if it means intergalactic war or whatever. No, you say you take that decision off of Worf's shoulders. If, and Worf even said straight up, like, if you make me do it, I'll do it. Worf, Worf was basically saying, take the decision off of my shoulders then, because this is something that is difficult for me and I just can't easily weigh that. I would at least respect that. Like Picard said, Fine, man. I gotta do what I gotta do. We're t- we're ripping your blood out and dumping it in that guy. And <laughs> yeah, but but you know, disrespect body autonomy, whatever for this stopping a war thing. But I don't know. It feels weird to be like, okay, but if anything happens, I'm we're all gonna blame you, Worf. I th- I gotta I gotta disagree. I mean, this is this part of the episode is so rich and so complex. Like it shows us two things, right? Uh, one in Worf's case, not even time and hope or Federation ideals can help him forgive the Romulans and realize that not all Romulans are responsible for killing his parents. Like that's powerful. Even in Star Trek's like utopian future, those deep seated prejudices inform our main characters and how they act. Like that's profound. Second with Picard. Some might disagree with this, just like Grant did, but I find the way that he deals with this situation to be very noble and like just beautifully portrayed by Patrick Stewart. Like he respects, he respects his crew members' beliefs so much that he refuses to order him to compromise them. And that is what Star Trek is all about. Even if that compromise would make things much easier for everyone in this incredibly tense and dangerous situation, like it's just really good stuff. It, it makes you hope for a future where someone will do that for you, you know, even if um, even if your beliefs might might hurt others. I don't know. Um, it's a tricky situation, but I really like the way it played out in this episode because I thought it really played out as Picard respecting Worf. And another thing I want to say about Worf's plot here and how bold and strong it played for me, Worf is never shown regretting the decision he makes and he's not punished. And Picard is tolerant of Worf's decision, but grudgingly tolerant. And he he never orders Worf to, to donate the blood. I mean, it's just so complex. And throughout this entire episode, I think Picard, we see a picture of a leader caught in a very dangerous and unenviable situation where he's basically trying to stop a war from breaking out. And and people are telling him different things. And through it all, he struggles to do like the moral correct 
thing. Um, but you can see him struggling the whole time. Like he, it almost breaks him. And I think it was a really rich portrayal. I think I'm, I'm probably somewhere in the middle of all of this. So I, I agree with Grant in that. I think Picard, if he truly felt that they were going to be in some sort of truly eminent danger of starting this war, he probably would have commanded Worf to donate the blood. But I think he was thinking a few steps ahead, like a lot of Trek captains do in that there are multiple scenarios to where I can continue to respect Worf and his beliefs and still manage to find a way out of this. This was also like when they brought this Romulan on board was not doing great, was almost dead already. Like what are the chances that this is even going to be survivable and weighing those options of, am I going to disrespect a culture of one of my crew members for the possibility that this could work? Versus me just letting him make the decision and thinking about other possibilities of how we can get out of this and still rescue LeVar Burton. So it's like, you know, there's so many aspects that are going on there. And I do think the straightforward writerly thing that they're setting up here is that if we cooperate, we can do greater things together because that is one of the biggest overarching themes of Trek is cooperation means that we we all work better. The the needs of the many outweigh the needs of the few sort of situation. That's right? even quoted in this episode. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, I'll, I'll say, oh, sorry, go, go ahead, Mariah. Oh, no, I mean, it, just to like wrap up, I think there is like a decision somewhere in the middle. I think the writers aren't as like deep into these crazy little things as we think they might be. It's probably like, we need to have two parallel stories and we're going to give the one with the, the moral compass, the good outcome. They're you like, know? we got to put two 26 episodes out <laughs> this year. I don't yes. care. Let's just. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That's it. So, well, you know, I think it's somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just say, Grant, I actually agree with, with you. Um, I looked at Picard and I was actually not remembering the outcome. I was convinced that at some point he was going to go, I hate to do this, but you have to do it. Um, chop. Like I, I, you know, I thought that was going to happen because I think you're right. If you're going to sit in the big seat, you got to be ready to make that big choice. Um, I mean, we're not just talking about any captain. We're talking about, the captain of the enterprise. This is the flagship of the Federation, right? Right. The Romulan captain knew who he was. So it's, it's just one of those things where if, if that's the chair you're sitting in, then if we go to war and we've seen this with Picard kind of throughout TNG, it's on you. It's literally on you. It's not on anybody else, but that guy. So. Right. And, and, and just to clarify, I, uh, I'm, I agree with Mike. Like I really do appreciate that Picard treats his crew. He treats Worf with respect. He asks him and he respects that. But when it comes to a conversation of whether or not the writers were setting it up, that Worf is the, the villain here. I'm like, well, ultimately I, everything is just, it, it's all complex. It's all got nuance. And I think we can't just, easily pin it on being one thing or another. And that's, that's what is the mark of good writing. The fact that we can watch this episode 30 years down the line or whatever, and be like, Oh man, look at all the stuff that was going on here. That's, that's a fantastic episode. Yeah. And we haven't even discussed Jordy. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about Jordy. 
Let's do it. Oh, first look at you with your little. Yeah, I got. Nah, yeah. never mind. No. I just gotta <laughs> say. There we go. There's <laughs> there. I gotta say the world would be a much better place if we were all a little more like Jordy. I mean, yes. I mean, come on, look, look, look at Jordy in this episode. The dude falls down a pit in a stormy hell planet that gives you cancer. And he instantly fashions like two hiking sticks and gets his ass out of that pit. And like that was minutes. amazing. I didn't even know he like, could do that. Yeah. I mean, we've never Fucking really like seen him fight. It's like, oh, he cli- like he climbed out of a hole. That yeah. was pretty fa- that was pretty impressive. Then he's instantly taken hostage at gunpoint by this aggressive Romulan, an enemy soldier. And his reaction is just like, chill, bro. We're in this together, man. We're in this shit together, bro. <laughs> but to be fair, that that Romulan was was kind of dopey, wasn't he? <laughs> he, <kinda laughs> was he was. Kinda like, but he had a gun on him. I'll kill you. Or maybe but I Jody don't know. <laughs> Jody's just like, don't you hate it when you get sand in your shoes, man? High five. Come on. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jordy was, uh, you guys seen Galaxy Quest when... Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. the, Tony Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub. The, just the, the dude who's high all the time. Yeah, yeah. That's what... Uh, this is my first seeing of Jordy <laughs> in this show. Yeah. And I was just like, yeah, it's like Tony Shalhoub. He's just like super chill He's about anything. He's almost never that chill oh, really? about anything. But right? he's like really kind of dorky always. And mm-hmm. that kind of comes through in this episode. And it, it kind of it's it's kind of what saves the day. Like I, I love the depiction of Jordy's casual, kind of dorky, and he's kind of sarcastic in this episode. Although he fashioned those those sweet metal spikes crawled out of there and then in the next scene he like he tossed him and then suddenly he's scaling this other wall and I'm like where'd your spikes go man you made some sweet spikes <laughs> use those spikes you can crawl across that thing easier but like his his whole his whole demeanor just he like the way he treats Bakra the Romulan like a person instead of an enemy and he just makes jokes and it's pretty low key about the whole situation which eventually like wins I, Bakra over I, I think I, putting Jordy in this situation was a brilliant call because Jordy is just not the aggressive military man that like Riker or Worf is. Like if you had those guys in the pit with with the Romulan, like they would have just been yelling at him and trying to force him to see their point of view. And Jordy just tells it like it is and kind of laughs and jokes with the Romulan and and it kind of melts away the prejudice, you know, and it just works and it's really low key and it it just they find common ground that way just by being human and it saves the day. I love that. It's not this huge dramatic thing. The real the the more the drama in that situation comes from the the harshness of the planet and what it's doing to both of them. And they're like, you know, we we have a common again, Clyde, like that thing. We have a common enemy here. It's this environment. So we're both people. Let's team up and get the hell out of here. Yeah, I thought it was an interesting like way to see how the characters approach the the Romulans on the planet because when the first Romulan shows up, Riker just like face like to palm him so he falls down and I'm like, really maybe all of this is just Riker's fault that this guy's going to die. Um and then we get Jordy who is like I can see that you're a threat but we're all we're both also suffering from the effects of this planet. And so in order to actually make it out of here, we have to work together. And so I think it's that emotional appeal of like, do you want to survive? Because I want to survive. And so if we're going to do this, we have to be able to help each other. And I know a way to get out of here, but I need your help now that my visor isn't working. Yeah, but he's not like, come on, you asshole. Do you want to survive? He's like, hey, man, we want to get out of here. We got to work together. We got to do the thing. Let's do the thing. 
Like, it's just so casual. I mean, it, it, he's like a, a perfect person to kind of talk someone down and like figure like get to the source of like what's what, what's your issue with me let's kind of sort this out i'm i'm not going to be hostile to you back it, it doesn't benefit me and he he's he's patient he he listens to what the other guy has to say he sits there he 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 endears himself right away by rescuing the guy when he had the other guy dead to rights he didn't have to do that and that certainly wins him points in the situation but you know, also just kind of transitioning to be like, look, we are in this together. And now that I know you're here, we need to work together to try and figure this out. Like, and, and then when he, he goes blind and the other guy kind of pushes Jordy to kind of think of ways to figure this out. Like mm-hmm. it, it wasn't just that, like, it wasn't simply that Jordy was the only pure altruistic one right like he's mm-hmm. like oh i'm looking out for you but it was i like that the other guy kind of steps up as well and it was like look man you you got to be a survivor and you have to think of some other way we can we can figure this out together and he pushes jordy in a way that helps them both as well and then he becomes the eyes for jordy when he needs it like it was it was a good symbiotic relationship it was it was a perfect way to kind of articulate how one can recontextualize their relationship with their quote unquote enemy. Well, I, th- I think that that's the promise of diversity, right? Is that our differences and particularly our strengths and weaknesses can allow us to solve problems that we wouldn't be able to solve on our own. Um, and so I think what you saw here is you saw two people who had a common goal, but they had different backgrounds. They had di- like completely different skill sets, but together they were able to kind of get through it. Um, and I, I think it's great that Jordy treated him like a human or person. I just kind of was expecting him to treat him more like a hostile person who was holding a gun to him. Mm-hmm. And it probably would have been great to take that gun away from him so they then can have a, a pretty decent civilized conversation with a you know threat of being shot. That were was you guys my saying this was with it. Were you saying this was inconsistent to his character though? He he Not is for normally me. for me, he is the engineer of the enterprise, which typically means if you think of the engineer of the Control enterprise. Control freak and a little point, bit uptight. <laughs> they're kind of running around the ship screaming about something broke and that they're trying to fix it at the last minute. Okay. Um, and that's Jordy for the most part. You know, he's not quite as off the rails as, say, Scotty, but he's, <laughs> you know, kind of animated when it comes to trying to fix the ship. He's always yelling. Um, and as I think, uh, what was it? Uh, we saw a, a chat a minute ago. Dennis said he is written pretty badly when it comes to women. Like he has no luck with kind of social dating and things like that. So this, he just seemed a little extra calm, like in the middle of a crisis, I expected him to uh, be a little bit more animated. I was, that's fair. Sorry, you're good. No, I was going to say that's fair. But um, yeah, what I love about Jordy is that he's always just, he does seem pretty cool and confident when he's at work. But when he's Mm -hmm. off work, he, he is just so nervous and has no real like social skills with new people. Um, but in this situation, 
uh, he just gets sarcastic and isn't aggressive. And Jordy doesn't really have that aggressiveness that Worf and Riker have. So I thought it was a great dynamic. Just have, and it just played it out so low-key. So, a little off-topic, but having checked this out now that I'm uh, 37 years old, going back and watching this episode... I grew up watching LeVar Burton and reading Rainbow as a kid. That was kind of my familiarity with him. Um, and my current familiarity with Riker is uh, him either uh, doing that factor fitch- fiction show. <laughs> like, where people <laughs> Have are you making ever wondered a about how a bike could go over water? <laughs> <laughs> or or they do the one where like he's constantly like weirdly sitting like hopping over chairs i guess um or him looking like a, a wild man of the woods in picard like that's my familiarity with him so looking at those two guys i was like holy hell these two guys are studs in this show they're both like really good looking dudes and i did not have that in my mind <laughs> at all about either of them for some reason yeah. i was just like huh Marge says I mean, Jordy is fit. Mm-hmm. Well, you got to keep in mind, Grant. Um, Riker was the Kirk of TNG. Like, he got with all of the women. Well, seeing him, I was like, okay, I get it. <laughs> like, like all a, of them, all tall, the time. Like, I didn't realize he's that tall. Or Patrick Stewart's really short. Or I don't know he's what's going on there. Both. Yeah, yeah, but uh, I was like, man, that guy's tall. And he's got some piercing blue eyes. I, I got lost in that shit. I didn't. But I didn't. I, I thought that he, like he was kind of the leader for like the first half of this episode too. Like mm-hmm. Ryder, R- Riker was kind of like taking charge both on the the mission on the planet. But once they kind of got up, it seemed like he was calling a lot of the shots with the Romulan Picard, in the, the hospital room. And I was Picard like, delegates a lot. I was yeah. like, what does Picard do? Does Picard do anything here? Like for like hearing that this guy's the captain, he was just kind of taking a backseat for a lot of this until the very end when he suddenly like, well, let's, let's go full nuclear here and risk the lives of everyone on our ship with this <laughs> gambit. I'm like, is it, is it really, does it need to come to that? <laughs> it, I don't know. The, the, the plot in that regard seemed kind of weird to me. Mm. Well, like, I, like, like I said, we see a picture of, of just this leader caught in this this horrible situation. Like he doesn't, he he has to play it very very smartly. Like he knows that any like Picard, he knows that any aggressive move he makes here will be judged harshly by history, since it could lead to it it could lead to a war with one of the Federation's biggest aggressors. Right. So right. he, did, you know, he's playing it. At first, he's he's giving the uh, the Romulan commander just a lot of leadway because he doesn't want to start a war. But at the end, he gets a little more aggressive when he's being pushed. Um, and yeah, I think I think Picard kind of does the right thing overall throughout this entire episode. And again, I I just like the picture of him just you you just see the weight on his shoulders throughout this entire thing. Uh, I thought that was a a really good depiction. Also with Riker, like he's he was a lot more pissed off in this episode than ever. And also, I didn't realize he was like a functional alcoholic, <laughs> as we see in this episode. He's like, what's up, Worf? Shot, shot. I thought it was interesting that um, Picard had mentioned. You know, we have to be careful, otherwise, this kid, history could remember this as like Pearl Harbor, yep. and then this fiction starbase, whatever that they've mentioned. I thought that that was a nice kind of inner. 
um, kind of to interweave history that we would understand with also being able to put it in context of a much larger timeline. I kind of like that moment. I mean, what I took from Riker, I, I guess I wasn't like looking at him being hostile. Maybe he's a little bit more relaxed in a lot of other episodes, but I, I, I just thought like, Oh, this guy is a guy who was in, in charge of that situation. He was in command of them being on their, the, the scenario on the planet. Um, and he made the quick, tough decision of we gotta leave Jordy behind let's let's blast back up but it was eating him up because he cares about his man and didn't want to leave Jordy behind and so then he kind of switched to being a little bit of Jack Bauer and let's throttle Romulan and try and get the information and it didn't work out and so he was maybe just kind of beating himself up because he didn't know if he lost a person he lost Jordy yeah so like I, I don't know with Riker with Picard really with everybody on the ship um, you really see how the stress of the situation really fucks with them and really just, you know, is it, completely on their shoulders. Like Riker uh, becomes this really aggressive, angry, drinking person. Picard, you can just see him kind of shrinking in the moment. Like it, it's, it's really great in that, in that depiction. But nothing in this episode seemed that um, comical or uh, kind of over the top acting. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm used to seeing when Picard can really go into a monologue and he can really get into his Shakespearean bullshit. <laughs> I was kind of ex- yeah. expecting a little bit of that. No, nope. and uh, yeah. especially coming off of also watching um, Cisco, who also seems like a very theater actor <laughs> uh, in the <laughs> other episode. I'm like, okay, that's probably what I'm in store for with this. But like ev- everything seemed no. pretty pretty grounded here and it didn't feel like anyone was kind of acting over the top aside from maybe some of the uh, side or background characters like uh, the Romulans. Mm -hmm. Uh, But maybe they're also supposed to be extremely emotionally hot-headed, right? Again, like I said when we started this, no big speeches at the beginning or at the end of the episode about tolerance or unity. All that stuff is just baked into the story. You know, it's not it doesn't hit you on the head. It's not preachy. Um, we're getting close to the end. I do want to bring up one of our comments here from Marge. She asks, how do you guys interpret the title of the episode, mm-hmm. The Enemy? The enemy's inside us, guys. It's no the enemy within. Is that a different my episode? Enemy. My own worst enemy. <laughs> Not that earworm, please. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, this episode is so complex. There's a lot of ways to interpret it. And probably no way is wrong. You know, the enemy, obviously, we're looking at the Romulans as our enemy and trying to figure out how to deal with them and, and try to, to cross that bridge. I think um, how Riker talks to Worf about that. Like, when does it end? When does the aggression against the Romulans end? Who... And even Picard uh, echoes this later. Who is going to be the first one to trust and to put out that olive branch? Because it has to stop sooner or later or it's going to eat us all up. So, you know, is the enemy that um, inherent intolerance uh, potentially? I I think for me, it was these two questions about the enemy who truly is the enemy 
right? And why are they our enemy? Because we saw the Federation and the Romulans enter into the situation with this clear idea about the other is the enemy. But what did they know about them, right? Like they had these ideas. We saw kind of on on the planet with Jordy and and what was his name? Bakra. Um, we saw with them, with those two, is that they, they came in with all these, not even like stereotypes. They had very little information about the other. And they they started to learn, wow, you're not what I thought, right? And then the question is, well, why are, we, why are you fighting? What are you, what are you doing this for? And I think those challenges, um, when you think about the enemy, it's almost like the enemy question mark should have been the full title. Hmm. Right on. I like that, Clyde. All right. If you have any comments about the enemy, find us on Twitter at Star Trek Pod and let us know what you think. And maybe if you want to hear us talk about some older Star Trek, maybe we'll do that. So let <laughs> us know. Um, we're getting to the end of the hour. I want to thank you so much for joining us on the pod this week. We'll, remember, we'll be live every Thursday at 9 p.m. Central Time on YouTube. And we're also live on Twitch, Facebook, and Twitter. Just go to StarTrekPod.co for links to watch the live stream on any of those platforms. Yes. And next Thursday at 9 p.m. Central Time, we are returning back to our character breakdowns uh, from Discovery. So we're going to talk all about Philippa Giorgio, Prime and Mirror Universe, all played miraculously well by the impeccable Michelle Yeoh. Oh, yeah. I forgot to tell you guys. Do you want to do that? Yeah. <laughs> I just got <laughs> excited for everybody. I guess so. Yeah. Sure. Let's talk about Michelle Yeoh <laughs> for an hour. It sounds sure. great. Yo. Uh, and then um, I told you at the top of this episode that I was going to be coming back and I was going to be reminding you now that you're about done with this episode, you're going to be twiddling your thumbs, not really knowing to do, what to do. Go to patreon.com slash Star Trek pod and there you can make a per episode pledge. Go ahead and do it. Today's the day you're going to sign up. You heard this episode. You're like, I, I like the cut of their jib. We're going to uh, sign you up and uh, you know, give $2 an episode. Join our private Slack. You're going to hear all of our great exclusive Patreon uh, content, including badass women of Trek and uh, potentially our uh, our foray into the Kelvin verse movie reviews. So um, stay tuned for that. I think uh, that'll, be, that'll be pretty fun. But uh, also, oh, yeah, that would be coming in July. Um, also, uh, you know. Maybe you're not ready to make that plunge into Patreon.com. That's okay. There's another way you can really quickly and easily help us out. Please go to Apple Podcasts and give us that five-star rating and write a review. Don't give four. Don't give three. Don't give two. Give us five. Five stars. And we appreciate all the support. It helps us bump up the visibility with this podcast. Yeah, and I just want to say, you know, one of the great things about the live shows, it's you guys. The comments that we get, the questions that we get. And so I just want to say, if you can, I just want to remind you guys, hey, follow us on Twitter and on IG, on the gram, shout us out, at Star Trek Pod, tweet so the people know what we're doing and they can join the live shows Thursdays, 9 Central. Let's, Let's do it. Tell your peoples. <laughs> Tell your peoples. 
Shout I, it out. I want to thank Karen. I want to thank Karen who helps run our Twitter and James Worm who helps run our Insta. Thanks again. And remember, we are asking you to help promote the podcast on Reddit as well. So hit up those Star Trek fan subreddits, post our episodes. If you see anybody asking about Star Trek podcasts, tell them all about our show. Thank you so much. Also, please visit donate.startrekpod.com. Help us support Black Lives Matter. Clyde, where can we follow you online and hear more from you? You can find me on Twitter at Clyde Haynes. You can find me on the web at www.keyandclyde.com. That's K-E-I and Clyde.com. Mariah. I'm at Mariah Gossett on all platforms. That's Mariah with a Y and a Gossett with two S's and two T's. And happy end of Pride Month, everybody. It's the last episode of the month. So just happy Pride. Happy Pride. Grant Davis. Happy Pride. And at Baron Von Grant right here. All right. Follow me on Twitter at Mike M. Garcia. Live long. Oh, wrong. Not yet. (laughs) Almost. Too soon. Live long and prosper. Bye. Bye.